0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Well, This is it, week three of our series called What Makes You Happy? Uh, here's what I know about you. You want you to be happy, right? You really do. Like, I've never met anybody that says, you know, I just want to be miserable in life. Uh, I just hate myself. I want to be miserable in life. We really don't. Even if we say something ridiculous like that, we really do want to be happy in life. Here's what, here's what you need to know about me. I'm a pastor. I really like you, like I do, and I want you to be happy. And I'm a little selfish, maybe, because it dawned on me, one of the reasons why I want you to be happy is because happy church people are way better to pastor than unhappy church people. And then here's, what, here's what's really, really fascinating. When you read the Bible... Um, there's some fascinating things that jump out to you that seem to contradict what you think about church and religion. Because when you read the Bible, what you what you actually discover is, is that God wants you to be happy. Now, maybe not happy quite like the way we define happiness because what we've discovered is, is we kind of stink sometimes at figuring out what happiness is. And I'll prove it to you. If you've ever tried in life to be happy but then weren't happy, it's because you didn't know what actually happened made you happy, right? Like if you keep trying over and over and over doing things that you think are going to make you happy and you end up not happy, the problem is not with the happiness. The problem is with what we think happiness is or what we, what we think we need to do to be happy. And Jesus was asked this question. He was asked, Hey, what's the most important thing in all of the Jewish Bible? And you know what his answer was? It was that one thing that all happy people have in common. They have peace. And he said, the most important thing that you can ever have in life is peace with God, peace with yourself and peace with others. And if you have peace, there's something that all happy people have in common and they have peace. And then last week, you really need to go watch these. If you haven't seen these, this is a series that builds um, and we're in kind of the layer three now. But last week we looked at Jesus's most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount and the opening statements of his sermon and his most famous sermon was a a series of poem in essence on how to be happy. So here's what I know about you. I, you want you to be happy. I want you to be happy. And then what I've discovered is that actually God wants you to be happy. So today, I'm going to actually quote from you or read from you probably one of the most famous quotes in the New Testament in terms of stuff that people love quoting today and sometimes even misquoting today. And, and we're just going to dive right back in because there's something I need to address today and there's going to be parts that's like, yeah, and then there's going to be parts that are going to be like, oh, okay, so I need to prepare you for the, ugh. okay, like, "ow." get, you know, like just, just dive into the L with me because there's this unique thing that I think is maybe the key to your happiness. And it's this, that, that there is a relationship between happiness and pleasure. And if there's a confusion about happiness and pleasure, I think that's actually the number one thing may be leading or Causing you to lose your happiness because when you start pursuing pleasure over happiness versus happiness over pleasure You're gonna miss something in life. It's so crucial that we figure this out So to to figure this out, let's dive into the scripture So the bible says this in john chapter 10 Jesus is talking to the crowd his disciples that are there and then there's some religious leaders there And he's actually kind of addressing some things with the religious leaders basically the religious leaders. He was saying y'all stink Y'all have missed the point. Y'all need to come correct. And so what he does is, 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 let's just read the text. It says this, Truly I tell you Pharisees, you religious leaders, that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, well, that person's a thief and a robber. And the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And we all felt exactly the same way. How I many all grew up with sheep? Good. So none of us understand what Jesus is talking about, right? These Pharisees are like, I don't know what he's saying. And so every once in a while, Jesus would be in the middle of something. He'd be like, all right, y'all don't understand anything I'm saying. Because he was talking about sheep. Now, if you grew up around sheep, you would understand everything that he's saying. Because there's some really cool dynamics in play here. The way that the shepherd used to take the sheep out into a pastured area, they would build a makeshift pen. And then there was a gate, and the gate was the shepherd. Because like, like, if you're just doing a makeshift pen for the night, you don't want to build more than you have to. So the shepherd would lay his body in, in the middle, and he was the gate. It's a cool stuff. And then sheep, if you know anything about sheep, they legitimately know the shepherd's voice. You can bring a stranger, he'll call the sheep, and they don't give nothing. They don't care. And then the shepherd calls them, and all of a sudden they just start flocking. So there's a really, really cool dynamics about sheep, but the Pharisees didn't understand it. You and I really not understand it either. So at the end of this discourse on sheep and shepherds and religious leaders, he's like, all right, fine. Let me just sum it up for y'all. So he says this in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only... To steal, to kill, and destroy. So he goes, let me just make it simple, okay? There, there, there are bad things in life. Now, the thief that he was referring to, Most, if you ever hear most Christians or most preachers, they always think that the thief is the devil. It's not. It's not what he was saying here. The thief was actually, he was referring to, were religious leaders that were messing it up. And so, But, but I think there's a larger point in play here. And the larger point in play is here, is that in life, there are things that like to steal your happiness... They like to kill your relationships and they like to destroy your future. Can I get an amen like that? Just obvious as you live life, there are things in life and people in life. And there's just sometimes stuff that tries to rob you of your happiness. And so we can say it like this. The thief is anyone whose intent is to take what you value to kill you or destroy your life right? That seems pretty fair, right? We just know life is hard. There are things that are challenging things that try to rob us of our joy, our happiness. There are thieves among us. Now you have to admit though, even though we quote that as if it's the devil, I mean, there's something true to that. There's something true to these religious leaders messing it up, but it's just a general principle that there's a thief that tries to steal your joy. We've all experienced that, right? Now let's ask ourselves a really cool question here. Who has the most potential to rob you of your joy? man, y'all are so smart. It's like somebody stole my sermon notes. And so everybody ever take a selfie before? Pull that out and look at that. That's the person right there that has the greatest capacity and potential to rob you of your joy. Isn't that so true? Like you ever said this phrase, I am my own worst. Yeah. Y'all know, God, you all are the smartest church in town. And so, so the point is, is that Anything that can steal, kill, and destroy is, is bad, and there's all kinds of things that can do that, but the greatest potential to steal and rob and kill and destroy all those things is you. Isn't that fascinating? Because here's what you, you need to know, because if you don't agree with me yet, let me, just, let me help you understand here. Um, you leased it. You bought it. You drank it. You smoked it. Um, you dated it. You slept with it. And then you married it, okay? So like, it's Was that too harsh? I guess, I guess my point is this. My point is this: The only common denominators it's me, it's me. And so I have the greatest capacity and the greatest potential to mess my life up. It just, it's just so true that that, that that takes place. And so you just need to know that there are thieves in this life. And it might be that I am my biggest enemy. I am my own worst enemy. I am the one that sometimes makes those decisions. Have you ever done something Look back on it and think, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Where was my breath? How did I do that? Why did I do that to myself? And at the time, you thought it was a good idea. And now, in hindsight, now that 2020's kicked in, we realize this was a, this was a, this escalated quickly, you know. So, now watch this though. So, so it says this it says that the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, this this is the second half of verse 10 I have come. That they might have life. Everybody say life. So, so there's a thief in life. And, and there's all kinds of different thieves. And maybe I'm my own worst enemy. But Jesus has come for a very different purpose. He's come that I might have life. And have it to the. Everybody say full. Now this is the NIV. If you're reading a different translation. Like a New King James or something like that. they think it's a better word. It says this. If you know it you can say it with me. I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. Abundantly, like this is, this is a way better word, because God, I need you to know this about God. God loves you, and God wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. It, literally, the translation of that word is literally this: Abundantly would mean pertaining to that which is not normally encountered. Isn't that cool? That's a cool definition. You a it. Pertaining to that which is not normally encountered. What Jesus was saying is this, I want you to have an extraordinary life. There's ordinary. And then there's put some extra on that. That's what I want you to have. I want you to have an extraordinary life. I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to have a wow life. I want you to have the life that is above and beyond that which is normal. And that's why Jesus has come. Now, he watch this. Look, look, he goes down to the very next verse and he shows you how this is going to take place. The way in which you're going to ever achieve or discover or find abundant life is this. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, he goes back to this sheep shepherd analogy. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Because here's one of the things you Some of the times you don't follow Jesus because you don't really trust Jesus. You think your way is better, your idea is better, your plan is better. You're just not quite sure if following Jesus is the best because then that might rob me of some temporary pleasures. That might rob me of some... But you need to know this, that he is not just a shepherd, but he is a, a good shepherd. And this is how you can know if somebody is for you in life. When they're willing to die for you... That's proof. They're for you. They love you. They're for you. And Jesus is a good shepherd. He says the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And if you could just trust that, if you could just believe that, if you could just, okay, I know I want to do this. And my natural inclination is to do this. And mom always said this, and this is what dad would have done. But Jesus is asking me to follow him. I, I have to trust that he's good and that he's for me. And if I'll do that, then I'll discover maybe a little bit more about this abundant life. Because again, there are things in this life that Jesus is trying to do that's very different than what I'm trying to do. Because again, go back to the idea of there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the opposite. He's not trying to steal, he's trying to give. He's not trying to destroy, he's trying to build, right? He's not trying to kill, he's actually trying to help you discover life and even life to the fullest. Fullest. And again, the problem with that is me, usually. I am my own worst enemy, and I am the one preventing that from taking place. Because, again, I bought it, I leased it, I drank it, I smoked it, I, I chose it, I did that. That was, that was on me. Now, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relieve you of the, ugh, for a second here. Because you are your own worst enemy, that's true. But you are not your only enemy in life. Can I get a, yeah, there's other, there's other things. As a matter of fact, the other enemy in life would be this. Everybody say this ugly, this is another ugly, everybody say Sin. Sin, and this is why God is so anti sin. It's because sin is what steals, kills, and destroys. God's not anti sin in the sense that He throws out a bunch of arbitrary rules to see if you're good or not. How ridiculous! Actually, Jesus says, no, you got to think about God as a good, loving, heavenly father. And the only reason he ever says do these things is because if you do them, you'll get great outcomes. You'll actually start to find that abundant life as you follow the good shepherd into these new ideas. As a matter of fact, that was the whole week last week as we learned that what leads to happiness is not maybe what I, I thought it was. And so what he says is just if you'll just follow me, you'll find that good and abundant life. And so sin is the thing that causes us to, again, Miss the mark, this is what we said too, we said this in, in, in week one, sin separates, right? Have you ever noticed like sin separates you from your peace? Sin separates you from peace with God, right? Because all of a sudden you got this sin in your life and now I feel weird going to church and I feel weird about what I did and I, I wrestle. And so anyway, how many of sin separates you from your, your relationships? If you ever take a friendship or a marriage or a dating relationship, go ahead and introduce some sin to it and see what happens, right? And let me just define sin for you. Sin would be anything that hurts you or hurt other people. Just think of it like that in the most basic terms. Sin would be anything that hurts you or hurts other people. You start entering those things into your relationship and sin separates. Now, here's another thing that sin does is that actually, I didn't talk about this on week one, so I thought it'd be fun to dive in. Sin substitutes. And this is where we're going today, is that sin substitutes. Now think about this. Sin substitutes a number of different things, and this is just a handful. It substitutes pleasure for fulfillment. You ever notice that? Because in the moment, I wanted this. But what it led to was a very, very quick fix, but then long-term unhappiness. It substitutes things for people, because I start chasing after things, and as I chase after things to make me happy, and I realize that happiness is more about a who than a what, then I realize I'm, I, I'm chasing down things and I 'm losing people. I, it, it replaces images for intimacy, and it replaces immediate for the ultimate. So sin is this constant thing that is trying to rob me of my happiness. Literally, sin comes to kill steal. And destroy, and so that's what Jesus is addressing here. I want you to think about the dichotomy here that, that literally goes, you got two options in this life. You can keep going down a path that robs you and steals from you, or you can go down a path that you can find some real, true, abundant life. And those are the options laid out before you. There's, there's a thief and there's a good shepherd. There's a stealer and then a giver. There's a, a, a go down the list. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. So that, that famous verse that we quote all the time, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is what Jesus is really addressing. Now, let's let's go back to this idea here. Because at the center of most temptations, there is a confusion about the relationship between pleasure and happiness. This is probably our biggest issue because here's here's the deal. You need to know that God gave you the capacity for both, right? Right? The problem is not with pleasure or happiness. The, uh, the issue is priority. Does that make sense? Or we could say this. If you prioritize pleasure over happiness, eventually you'll have neither. Now, I, I'm, I'm telling you some stuff that you know, but you maybe have never quite thought about. But here, here's when you think about it, you have to think about this. God created you with a capacity for pleasure and for happiness. As a matter of fact, you've got to think some crazy stuff. You need to realize this. God is not saying, choose me or choose happiness. How ridiculous! God gave you the capacity for happiness. He's not saying you can choose happiness or holiness. You choose. No, no, they both go together. Because here's what you got to remember too: God created again your capacity for happiness and pleasure. God created sex. One day, He was sitting up in heaven with the angels, and He's He's putting mankind and the earth together, and He goes, "I just had a great idea. I'm going to do all the animals. They did, it, but I, for humans." I'm gonna do it like this, and it might create a whole lot of trouble, but it's gonna be awesome. And so, and the angels are like, "What are you doing?" He said, "Don't you worry about it." So, so here's this. Here's, I'm gonna create sex because sex could have been just purely procreational, and it's not. He introduced the ideas of pleasure and intimacy. And so, there's it's just. A, and God came up with that. So you have to think about that. Hey, Jesus made wine. Okay, you go figure that out. His very first miracle. Disciples are like, "Hey, let's get it going. What are we gonna do? Wanna heal somebody or?" open up blind eyes. He goes, no, let's make some wine. (laughs) What? That seems problematic. Jesus. Are you sure? So I'm just telling you. And then look, y'all can say that. Well, that was different. That was like grape juice. I promise it wasn't uh, because the people said it wasn't. Okay. So when the people says, wow, this is really good. You know, trust me, it's, it's not just grape juice. Um, my point is ladies, 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 watch this. The disciples wore shoes. Okay. So it's all good. So so God gave you the capacity for pleasure, for, for happiness. He gave you all these things. Again, the issue is priority. Because if you pursue pleasure in the immediate, you lose your happiness. How many of you have ever experienced that in your life? I did something in the moment to give myself a quick fix. Remember, I leased it, I bought it, I smoked it, I drank it, I I did all those things, and I thought that would make me happy. But what happened was, is it was a pleasure that I was fulfilling in the moment, and then later I realized, wow, that actually didn't make me happy, that stole my happiness, Actually, we could say it like this. Pleasure undermines happiness, but happiness leads to pleasure. And here, here's the crazy part too. This is, this is so true. You're gonna totally agree with me. You're gonna go like, amen, that's so true. Watch this. Eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. If you ever met anybody that had an addiction, you know what I'm talking about. They had a pleasure that became so strong in their life that the pleasure lost its pleasure and became a prison. Now, some of the things that you're having pleasure with are not even sinful things. They're not even like awful, wretched, terrible things. They're not even evil things. They're just things that we prioritize above. And here's what you need to know as a pastor and as a counselor, I love you so much. And you probably know this too because you've seen your friend do this before. You can't see it in the mirror, but you can see it in your friends. Have you ever watched your friend start to go down a path and you're like, ooh, this will not be good. You can see almost like a car accident before it happens. And you see, you're like, oh no, this is going to be bad. See, as a pastor, I'll start seeing people do certain things, make certain choices, create certain habits. And for me, it's like a car wreck that hasn't taken place yet. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not. See, when when you start prioritizing pleasure in the immediate, that pleasure eventually loses its pleasure and you become a prisoner. And you can take a look at like, there's financial decisions you make. Think about it. There's financial decisions you make. And in the moment you wanted it, in the moment you really needed it, in the moment I had to have it, in the moment. And what happened was, is you started doing that in the short term, and now you know what you have long term? You have long term unhappiness. Because you have debt, and you have creditors calling, and you've got financial stress, and you've got financial pressure, and you're literally losing your hair over this thing, and you want to know why? It's because in the moment, you chose pleasure over happiness. Now here's the deal. If you'll choose happiness... First, as Jesus has defined happiness, if you'll choose happiness first, you'll have them both. It's the priority. So again, watch this. This is how Paul describes it. So Paul takes this idea of pleasures becoming prisons and he digs down so deep on it. Watch this. So in Romans, he, he talks about it like this. So Paul says, do you not know or don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone or something or a pleasure even, if you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. What he was saying is, is if you ever had a pleasure, if you ever had a thing or a person, and you kept just kind of offering your life to those people, I'm telling you, man, what happens is, is that over time, you put it this way, you said yes, and then you said yes, and then you kept saying yes until you couldn't say no anymore. And he goes, the problem is, is when you offer yourselves to something like that, you you become a prisoner to it. You become a slave to the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, which is exactly what Jesus said, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And righteousness is just simply this. It's just being right with God. That's it. So he was saying this, he goes, you've got two options in life, that there is a pathway of sin and I'll get immediate gratification. I'll get my quick fix. I will feel pleasure in the immediate and in the the moment that it happens. But long-term, man, it ends up robbing me and stealing me of all my happiness and all my joy. This is the option. You can be a slave to sin, or you can be surrendered to the good shepherd who leads you to abundant life. And this was the idea that Jesus was talking about. And this is the idea too of this idea, the, 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 the confusion that we have between pleasure and, and happiness is normally found in the fact that we think pleasure will make us happy immediately. But what we learn is it makes us unhappy long-term because when Jesus talked about happiness, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, happiness is about sowing and reaping. Do you remember that? Number one, let's, let's go back to week one. Let's see how smart you really, really are. What makes you happy? No thing. There's not a thing that can make you happy. And last week we discovered that actually what makes you happy is sowing. And happiness is never instant. It's never a quick fix. Actually, it's not not microwave. It's law of the harvest. It's I will sow and reap my way to happiness. Or we could say it like this. If we sow better, we'll reap better and then we'll feel better and that's how you find happiness and if you've ever been struggling if you've ever thought man i really really want to be happy in life and then you ended up not happy and then you repeated these cycles over and over i would dare to say that you had a confusion between pleasure and true happiness and you started choosing things in the immediate and choosing things for the quick fix. And you kept thinking, well, I need to be happy. How many of you know that's so true? In the moment, you feel so desperate. You're like, but I need to be happy. So I'm going to go do this, spend that, buy that, call him, call her. I need to feel happy. And what you don't know is it doesn't make you happy. It's an immediate pleasure that eventually robs you of your happiness. It may even make you a prisoner of something that you can't even get free from. And Jesus is saying, that's the choice, but you got to trust. I'm a good shepherd. And if you'll hear my voice and if you'll follow me, I promise you, I will lead you to a life and a life more abundantly. Now here's the deal. And here's what's really, really true. Believing in Jesus won't help you, but following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. So be careful that I'm not saying, Hey, if you just come to church, I know a lot of churchgoers not happy. I know a lot of people that seem to be religious on the outside, not happy. We are not talking about your church attendance, although I'd love to see you every week. I'm talking about you actually saying, yes, Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You will lay down your life for me. And if I follow you, if I'll listen to your voice and follow you, I'll find myself on a path, not just to life. I'm talking about an abundant life. So we're not talking about just believing in Jesus. We're not talking about the intellectual acknowledgement of the existence of a thing. We are talking about following Jesus. We're actually saying, Jesus, you said happiness was. Okay, I'm gonna start sowing. I'm gonna start doing. I'm gonna start living that different life. And if you do that, I promise you'll find that thing called abundant life. So big, big question here, big, big question here. you need to wrestle with this. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Is there a thing right now that you do that you know it's almost like a guilty pleasure? You're like, I know I like to do it. Pastor Todd knew I did it. He wouldn't be happy. (laughs) But I like to do it. It tastes so good. It feels so good. I like it. It makes me feel happy in the moment. But we know that it's actually undermining our happiness. And so what forces us to happen then is to live this yo-yo life where we go to this pleasure and we find out it didn't make us happy. So then we jump on this pleasure and it doesn't make us happy. And then we jump on this. We're like that old country song. We're, We're looking for love in all the wrong places. We're we're looking for happiness in all the wrong places. And we we keep trying. And the problem that some of us run into is we keep saying yes to certain pleasures until eventually we can't say no to them and we become imprisoned by them. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be so free. I want you to be so full of life. I want you to be so full of not just a life, but an abundant life. I want you to follow me and trust me. And if you do it, I promise you will find happiness. And here's the deal. If you put happiness before pleasure, you can actually have them both. So is there a, is there a pleasure that, uh, that's undermining your happiness or are you losing, in anywhere in your life, are you losing the freedom to say no? It's a big question you need to wrestle with. Now I wanna close with this because I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but I wanna make it really, really clear here. As a matter of fact, if you go to Romans chapter five, I want you to look at verse number one. Romans chapter five, verse number one, it says this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? We have peace. What do all happy people have in common? They have peace. When they lay their head on their pillow at night, they're at peace with themselves. There's no inner turmoil. There's no guilt. There's no regret. There's no unresolved issues. You know what happy people have? They have peace with others. When they lay their head on their pillow at night, they're not wrestling over the hate or the anger or the bitterness that they have in their heart towards another human being. They have reconciled. They have made it right. Maybe they have just made peace with God and forgiven that person. And I'm telling you what what most happy people have in common is simply this, they're at peace with God. So listen to what he says here because it's so profound. He goes, "Therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access." Like you have you have a relationship with God now. Like this is so incredible. You need to know this is that peace with God begins with faith in Christ. I trust not, maybe use the word trust, not believe. I trust in Jesus. I tr- He's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for me. If he says it, I'll trust it. I'll give him a blank check and say, Jesus, whatever you, I trust you. So you need to know this. Jesus is and was for you. He only wants your best. He wants you to achieve and to, to, to see and to experience abundant life. Peace with God begins with faith in Christ. And peace with God Actually, is the thing that paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. It all starts with Jesus. I'm just telling you that if you really, really wanted to be happy in life, I wholeheartedly and truly believe that it begins with Jesus. Will I trust him? Will I follow him? And if I do, I'll find something called life and even life more abundant. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about your creed. I'm not talking about all your beliefs and getting everything just right. I'm talking about trusting Jesus with your life. And in doing so, what you do is you end up sowing towards your own happiness. And if you sow, you reap. You find yourself in that abundant life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? I wanna encourage you, you can trust Jesus. You couldn't get a more clear picture in life than this. That if you go down your path, if you go down the path where you say, I'm my own worst enemy. If you go down a path where you keep doing things that hurt you and hurt others and and, and destroy and separate relationships and they separate you from God. I'm telling you, you go down a life chasing immediate pleasures and you end up incredibly unhappy. We end up maybe even a prisoner to our own pleasures. Jesus said, if you trust me, there's a thief that will steal, that will kill and will destroy. But there is a good shepherd. He loves you dearly and he will lead you to abundant life. If you're in here today do you say, Todd, you know what, man, I, I, I need that in my life. I, I, I don't want to become a prisoner to my pleasures. I don't want to keep chasing a quick fix. I actually want something real and lasting and I know that it's in Jesus. Then if that's you today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity just to slip your hand up in the air and say yes. Everybody's head bowed, eye closed. It's between you and God and me right here. If you say, I need Jesus in my life and I need to start trusting Jesus on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. One, two, three, and slip your hand up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands up all over this place. Jesus would say, stop letting the thieves come in and steal. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I promise he's for you and he actually knows what will make you happy. Let's pray this prayer this morning. Um, Dear God, we just pray, God, for every hand lifted, God, may their heart turn towards you in faith, God. May they walk out of this place and say yes to you. May they say yes to trusting you, to following you. God, would you please speak to them, help them, guide them, strengthen them, Lord God. I pray that you would guide them back into this place, into a church, God, where they can be amongst your people, hearing your words, following you, Lord God. I pray that as they go to work, as they head back into their homes and their families, Lord God, would you please love them, guide them, help them, Lord? Help us to follow you into that abundant life. Lord, we pray and ask this in Jesus name. And we all said, amen. Yeah. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the new beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.